welcome to the Life Change Podcast. Panhandle Weight Loss Center is a unique surgical practice focused on changing lives. Our approach moves away from the singular goal of weight loss and encompasses one of overall health and wellness. This podcast explores a variety of topics inside the realm of health and wellness, including nutrition, fitness, lifestyle issues, and even surgery. The goal of this program is to inspire listeners to take a critical review of your life as we guide you towards a paradigm that translates to life change. All right. Today we got here Alan Bean. Uh, I would describe him as, number one, my life um, partner uh, as far as uh, health and wellness, uh, workout partner, uh, emotional support team. A uh, bunch of other things that go into that, and I'm sure we'll cover kind of what that means as far as how we interact together. But uh, I want to welcome to the podcast, Alan Bean. All right, appreciate you having me, Bo. Yeah. So, Alan, first of all, you know uh, where you're from. You know, give people some insight to to who you are. Sure. Uh, born in Pampa, Texas. Uh, raised out on my family's ranch outside of Miami. Uh, so it's Miami for all you Texans, uh, as you know it. But Miami. Uh, for the East Coast outsiders, but uh, yep, grew up in Miami, um, moved to Canadian in uh, elementary school, and then ultimately graduated from Dalhart. So, uh, of course, there in Dalhart, knew Blue Sneeder John and the Sneeder John family, but uh, made it around the panhandle, and then from there went to Austin, Texas, uh, went to the University of Texas on a track scholarship from Dalhart. So, we should pause there for a second because it's, you know, I went to A&M and, <laughs> and um, you know, yeah. sometimes there's a contention between those two, you know, relationships, but um, we've been able to work through that. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I feel like, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I'm, uh, I don't find my identity in the University of Texas athletics anymore, yeah. <laughs> which helps. But Too many uh, heartbreaks. That's, that's yeah. the difference between you know, Longhorns and Aggies. Uh, we, we, we power through. We're still, we're still interested no matter how bad we are, you know? Yeah. Yep. So no, it's so uh, it's it's been a journey to get back to Amarillo. Uh, have a wife and four kids now, and um, but yep, back in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, I guess first met you, two thousand and twelve. Twelve thirteen. Twelve or thirteen. Yep. So, um, but yep, happy to be back in Amarillo, and uh, can't say enough about you know the community, and I think that's one of the things that we've enjoyed uh, about being back is. Uh, friendship with uh, you and your wife Shelby so well good deal man yeah well d- you didn't you didn't put the disclaimer in there you left for a while um, yeah that's true that's and true. Uh, so went off to business school in Austin was working here and then went off to Austin to get an MBA and really had no inclination at that point that you'd be back here right yeah I mean we went down there uh, as an opportunity uh, for work um, for per, you know progressing in my career and then Ultimately ended up getting an MBA down there. Um, Had another kid while we were down there. So we had three. Uh, Our first one was adopted. Uh, Similar stories as you and Shelby adopting your oldest. And then um, we had twins here in Amarillo. They were both uh, in the, uh, they were preemies at BSA and then had our fourth down in Georgetown, uh, north of Austin. So, you know, uh, at that point in time, after getting the MBA, it was like, hey, you know, where do you want to live if you have, uh, any choice uh, at all and it's like hey I want to be back up to the Texas Panhandle um, got family up here uh, just felt like this is this is home yeah so and uh, the reason I brought that up is you know we had developed our, our our partnership working out you know community building or you know personal 
building and then then you you drug up and left me <laughs> yeah uh, so i was kind of lost for a while uh and you know that's kind of what i hope to get into is just kind of that um that support system and and building the people around you that make you better and um and then when that changes it's kind of a kind of a life yeah so I, yeah. I had to readjust after you left and you know uh, mope around for about six months not work out not be concerned about health and wellness and then you know then you came back gonna, yeah kind of revived my hope yeah well i will say that uh, in that two-year stint there was one, one time i came back and i was like man you must you must be working out you're, <laughs> you're looking pretty good I there i finally picked myself up off the floor yeah. and, uh got back into it but you know what's your you know you were an athlete in um high school football track you went to university of texas on a track scholarship um and so you you kind of grew up with activity and you know uh, and I think that's changed. This has changed since you were probably in college, but kind of give insight to nutrition guidance and discussion around that as an athlete, as somebody that's you know kind of built to perform. Um, what kind of guidance did they give you? What uh, what approach were you taking back then, or was it just kind of a typical college diet? Yeah, I mean, I would go back before college, just looking, thinking about high school, thinking about um, you know growing up you know our family ate i would say 80 to 90 percent of our meals at home uh together around the table and i think in large part that was due to my mom she was a dental hygienist and um, she was always very conscientious about you know what she's serving uh, at the dinner table and so i felt like i was a beneficiary of that um, throughout my upbringing but uh, you know i would say from transitioning then from high school uh, into college um, I think one benefit that I had uh, as an athlete is we did have an athletic dining hall uh, where everything was prepared for us. Um, I wouldn't say there was a whole lot of guidance given yeah. uh, other than just um, eat this. You can, yeah, you yeah. can go back as much as you want to go back and eat as much as you want to eat. Uh, of course, at that time, I mean, you know, uh, 18 to 21 uh, and years old and expending a lot of calories, uh, a lot of energy, you know, throughout workouts from early morning workouts to later in the afternoon. So um, to me, I feel like I, there could have been better guidance given on what to eat. Um, but again, it was it was kind of uh, given to you there in, in the athletic dining hall. Yeah, I, I'd assume I'm just guessing, but you know, I assume that, that those those meals are more oriented to recovery and inflammation reduction and muscle building. I mean, I'm only guessing. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I do know that uh, within the athletic dining hall, I mean, there was very little uh, by way of, of uh, junk food. You know, it was all, you know, I would say predominantly protein dense, uh, lots of options for, you know, vegetables, uh, fruits, things of that nature, um, but not much uh, junk food. Gotcha. All right. Now explain transitioning to life. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I a joke it's like you know for the longest time i would uh, saw myself as an athlete like that's what i identified as um but you know now as a father of four you know husband um you know it, it's more of a that was in my past and i can't fall back on oh yeah at one point in time i was expending a lot of calories i was working out i was in the you know kind of prime of my life as far as um age and and you know what my body was capable of doing so now it's like okay i gotta i gotta pay attention to what am i eating uh, i travel quite a bit uh, for work so it's it's you know how am i 
getting enough sleep, how am I um, making sure that, uh, you know, I stay accountable to working out. So it's, it's definitely changed. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what kind of one of the things I want to dive into is just kind of our interaction, you know, as a, uh, you know, as support for health and wellness, um, and you know how how difficult or how easy is it to to go at it on your own how 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 what's the help in having a partnership uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to your health and wellness journey kind of what are your thoughts when it comes to that yeah i mean i don't, I don't think there's um any way to compare the difference as far as uh, how much more beneficial it is to have uh, really a community around you um I think your spouse uh, plays a big part in that, at least mine does, as far as uh, knowing what my goals are, both diet and uh, exercise related, how we uh, organize our schedules around allowing us uh, both time to work out in the mornings. Um, and then, of course, our friendship and the time we've spent, you know, over the course of the last decade, you know, working out together, um, trying to carve out enough time uh, to do that, enough days a week that, you know, it makes. Uh, a difference. Yeah, it makes a difference. <laughs> so, um, but I would say, you know, whenever we first moved to Amarillo, even um, getting plugged into a, a gym and uh, kind of a, a group of uh, friends that were like-minded in that regard, uh, both working out, just kind of that health, wellness uh, aspect of, you know, what are you eating? Um, what are you putting in, in your mouth? What, you know, what, uh, what kind of workouts are you doing? Um, how consistent are you being? And so there's that, you know, sense of accountability that I felt like uh, certainly was lost whenever we moved away. Um, and then, you know, I've, you know, we've regained it uh, as of late. So, uh, but there's always seasons, right? We go yeah. through seasons. Yeah. And that, that, yeah, I was going to continue to talk about that because, you know, when we first met, um, you know, our friendship was kind of first started at CrossFit, CrossFit yep. 806 here mm-hmm. in Amarillo. And I still remember the day, uh, I think Shelby was looking for a gift to give me and you <laughs> suggested a punch card, yeah. I think for, for CrossFit 806. And this was at a time in my life where I wasn't really working out. Right. Uh, I mean, I just kind of the go for a walk, mow the lawn, you know, uh, get those steps in type workout, go yep. for, go for walks. And, uh, and I remember going and doing the intro class with Brooks Boyette and, and Kyle Cato and thinking there's no way in heck I'll ever do this. Like this does not fit me. And then, then the competitive nature kind of kicks in a little bit and you're like, all right, well, I, I'm going to do this. Right. And, um, so, it, you know, for you and for me, we, we had that structure. We had that, the, we, it was called the, the, the 504 boys, right? Cause yep. you know, we, we drove together. You'd pick me up at 504. Well, you'd pick me up at 504. I'd pick you up at like 510. Yeah. I was about to say, you're a little, yeah, I was always a little late. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that was a 515, 515 class. So that was early, yeah. early mornings. And then, you know, I, when you, when you moved off, I, I kind of faded cause I didn't, I didn't have that partner mm-hmm. to say, Hey, I'm picking you up at 504. Right. Uh, and I don't know if anybody's listening to this thinks it's hard to drag themselves out of bed at 504. It, it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, consistently. And, you know, when I was in the routine and you were here, it was easy. Right. You know, we expected uh, expected that. Uh, but once that kind of gets shaken up, mm-hmm. you, know, uh, you know, finding your way back. Uh, so, you know, thinking about where we are now. So now we kind of share each other's garages and mm-hmm. and sports fields and whatever we can find. Yep. Um, how, you know, in your perspective, like, you know, how does that compare? And also kind of the, that seasonality thing. I'm just not in a season right now where dragging myself out of bed at five o'clock seems doable. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know how you feel about that or, you know. Yeah, I think that, you know, the difficulty is, um, you know, you got to do it all. You got to do it every day. Um, it becomes, you make it this um, insurmountable mountain, if you will, that, uh, well, I'm never going to do that, right? So you've got to get to a place where um, you get some little wins, uh, in my opinion. And I, I think that's what, you know, we got whenever we moved back. It, it wasn't like you and I immediately went back to doing CrossFit. And in fact, you know, we still don't do technically CrossFit um, on, you know, a regular basis, but it's just getting into uh, the habit of uh, making it a priority once, twice. Hey, we can do it two times a week. Hey, we do it three times a week. Um, right now, you know, I'm, I'm getting ambitious and I'd like to work out five times a week, whether or not, you know, my body will <laughs> allow for that. We'll see. But, um, you know, so I think that it's it, it's just finding um, the motivation to go out and do, you know, one little thing, whether that's, hey, let's meet at the football field and and we'll do a jog and, and a sprint. That's a loose term there, but, you know, we'll do a jog. I'm, I'm going all out. I don't know about <laughs> you, man. That's as fast as I go. But, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, and it's fun, you know, um, make it fun too. You know, I think going out and enjoying the outdoors and, and this time of year right now, it's beautiful. Um, of course, it's going to get pretty cold and we'll have some snow on the ground, but it's Look just getting those sprints. Yeah. I feel my lungs burning already. <laughs> so uh, I think it's just, um, you know, getting out and doing something that, uh, you enjoy doing whether it's uh, going on a walk you know with your spouse uh, walking the dog or I, right now i'm walking uh, my son uh, james to school in the mornings and uh, whenever i'm in town so that's that's nice yeah we'll come back to the, the <laughs> when i'm in town comment but yeah you know one thing that's changed for me and i don't know if it's just the the amount of reading and health and wellness but you know i pay i try to pay more attention to recovery which is something i probably didn't do uh, when I, when we were doing CrossFit, yeah. I mean, I just remember days of just stacking soreness. Like, mm -hmm. you go to work, you work out on Monday, Tuesday you can barely move. Right. Wednesday you're back at it. Thursday I can barely move. And I did, I did when even when I was doing CrossFit, you know, with having to go to the operating room and being there for like 10, 12 hours, specifically if, if there was a big overhead workout, you yep. know, like your arms are just trashed right and then trying to operate i mean there were some, some <laughs> challenges there uh, sure and so my approach now is more you know what what is my what is my body saying like mm -hmm. well, just for example we were supposed to work out yesterday and yeah i woke up and i was like man i'm i'm just not there today right and i think there's some benefit in taking that pressure off yourself yeah you know um and, and for example like some days we'll meet up uh at six o'clock in the morning uh, and I'm like, hey, man, let's just have coffee today and talk. Right. Yeah. And that's a workout for us. It's yeah. a mental workout. You yeah. know, and, and, you know, I, I think people put so much pressure on themselves. Uh, and, and I think it's a it's a mentality difference. Like, uh, what am I going to the gym for? Right. Well, I'm going because I want to be I want to be able to move and maintain functionality into my 90s. Right. Like, it's not about muscle to me. It's not about weight loss for me mm -hmm. and i think that's the challenge with a lot of people like why am i going to the gym well, i'm going for weight loss well i don't want to miss a day I'm, I'm working i'm right i'm working my tail off but i don't think that's a great gym's not a great place to go for weight loss to me right um so kind of what are your how do you approach workouts what are you trying to get out of it yeah i think for me it's more about community um foundationally like whenever i think about working out when i think about well okay i'm going to get out of bed and I'm gonna run over to your garage and we're gonna get a workout in. It's like, yes, there's gonna be uh, physical benefit there, but I think 
the underlying uh, benefit for me is a sense of community and friendship. And so I think that's where the critical piece of doing it with somebody else or with a group of you know, like-minded individuals that turn into uh, friendships uh, is so important. And then the piece of um, you know, taking time off, recovery, that sort of thing, it's like listen to your body, right? And it doesn't mean like you don't have to, or you don't get to go work out that day because you're, you're tired or you're sore. You just need to think through like, okay, maybe I need to scale back on weight. Maybe I need to cut the you know workout short. Like this morning's workout was, I mean, if we would have gone through the whole freaking workout, it was going to be an hour and a half long, right? It's like, yeah. we don't have time for that, yeah. nor is my body in a place to be able to do that. So I think it's listening to your body and being okay with recovery days. You know, maybe it's go for a walk that day. Yeah, we just, just, you know, to pull off our experience, like, you know, some days we show up and, like, it's it's just resistance bands. That's all Yeah, resistance bands, stretching, Stretch, you know, talk, I mean, mobility, community, what's going on. Talking about, you know, marriage, talking about, you know, parenting, talking about business ideas. It's, um, so I get the men mental stimulation and, and the friendship that um, ultimately motivates me to work out. So what, what advice do you give to people that don't have that or it seems like a struggle to establish it as far as um you know i i've, I've quoted this before I, I i think i've talked to probably two of the healthiest humans in the world rich froning and ben greenfield and i ask them both the same question like what is in your mind what is the key to health and wellness and they both had the same answer community yeah so you know if you look at people struggling you know, from a health and wellness perspective, weight or, you know, comorbidities, like how do you, what's your advice or how do you suggest kind of navigating that, um, developing either that community that, that supports that or, you know, breaking friendship friendships and leading to new friendships, like where, you know, give some guidance. There. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a difficult one because, um, you know, ultimately you're going to have friendships. You're going to have even family members, you know, that you may, you know, might not see eye to eye on as far as health and wellness and the journey that you're individually on. Um, and, you know, certain friendships may even detract from it. You know, um, I think of drinking, you know, in excess or um, unhealthy eating habits, you know, within a family um, or within uh, friendships. And so, I mean, I think that's a, a, a difficult question to answer um, and probably one that's each individual person has to figure out what's, you know, uh, right for them. But if you can surround yourself, um, it's like the quote, you know, you are the, the average of the, you know, some of the five closest people that you spend the most time with or you're around, right? Uh, I think probably butchered that one, but, that's you know. That seems accurate. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah. if you are you know, around people that uh, care about their health, that are uh, trying to make, you know, wise decisions uh, with regards to diet and exercise and, and health, um, then I think that, you know, A, they're going to be understanding if you make choices that are in your best interest. So um, I think it's trying to find and build that community, um, but it's not easy to do, right? I mean, first time you and I met, you know, I'm like, who is this Aggie coming over to my house? And my wife's like, no, they're really nice, you know. And, no, trust me, and from nice. that day, uh, I mean, how many days was it or, or months or uh, maybe even years before we started actually working out together, much less having pretty deep conversations about macronutrients and, you know, sleep habits and, um, you know, wanting to reduce, you know, alcohol consumption and, and those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a 
it's a process and it's it takes time yeah um because i was i mean i was struggling with that i mean i kind of got pulled into it you know before you you kind of came in I had a membership at the membership at the DAC, and you yeah. know, I, I was a solid one day a week, <laughs> maybe type guy. And yeah. I'd go in there and I'd, you know, push some iron around, maybe do the circuits twice, and you know, I didn't know anybody there, um, mm-hmm. so you, there, there was nothing kind of there, and so I was in that in that mode of struggling, uh, and I was still somewhat new to Amarillo, like first one or two years, and um, you know, it just started with a simple punch card. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. You know, tell him to go check this out. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I think. You know, CrossFit gets a bad, a um, little bit of a bad rap because you know you see what you see on TV, right? You know, the Rich Fronings of the world, and and listen, you and I, not everybody, uh, very few people can I, I, even yeah, stand like on the same team. floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but I mean, it's it's definitely functional fitness, and it's scalable. And so, if you can um, get into a community uh, like CrossFit 806, or I'm sure there's others. Um, I think there's power in working out as a community in a group, um, but you kind of have to check your ego at the door. Otherwise, uh, you're going to get um, yeah, I learned that injured. Early on. Yeah, <laughs> so did I. So yeah. you know, um, I think you were there the day. I mean, I was PR on deadlift. Yeah, you know, I think I was going like 360. Impressive. Or something like that. And, <laughs> and you're like, you're going to add that on. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, you know, felt that yeah out for three weeks. Hey, I mean, but you're a far cry from the first time you tried it. I mean, your ankle mobility for that first few months. Yeah, well, we're getting deep now. <laughs> ankle mobility. Uh, for all those uh, out there, I'm probably the most, most and least flexible person on earth. Uh, yeah, I've been working on it for ten years, and I'm got some yeah. slight improvements. <laughs> um, so you know, we kind of started this morning talking about uh, you're kind of going to a different phase of. Uh, your your kind of workout journey. So, kind of, wh- what do you what are you coming from? Where you want to go? And then we can. I, I see you brought some uh, some biometric stuff here. So we'll kind of oh, jump yeah. into that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of a data geek, um, numbers guru. As far as I enjoy um, measuring metrics, I think it's important, at least for me, um, motivationally. Uh, so when I'm talking metrics, I'm talking um, you know doing blood work. Um, to determine, you know, how is my diet affecting um, my body in that in that way? Uh, I think one thing that you and Blue have brought to Amarillo, which I think is fantastic, is the DEXA scan. So the DEXA machine um, that uh, measures your body composition. Uh, I try to do that once every six months, uh, and I have done that once every six months uh, since I'd say seven back. seven years ago. Yeah. Um, and so even whenever I was in uh, Georgetown, I was, I was going to find a DEXA. So, you know, my journey, I think, is one of right in the, in the beginning um, when I first moved to Amarillo, you know, still uh, relatively uh, fit as far as, you know, wasn't too far removed from college. And, you know, it was all about performance. It was about, hey, how, you know, I want to gain weight uh, from a sense of gaining um weight on the on the barbell lifts uh, olympic lifts that sort of thing i want a pr uh, now it's more of okay how can i um, optimize my body composition you know how can i um, retain lean muscle mass and reduce fat um, you know just more for longevity more for playing with my kids more for um, just being healthy and feeling good 
And so kind of what I hit you up this morning about is I'm, I'm starting to, for the first time, uh, make a, a pretty valiant attempt to monitor what I eat from a macro nutrient standpoint. And yesterday uh, I had a pretty tough time of consuming enough calories from a standpoint of um, wanting to gain some muscle mass. Um, and then it's like, okay, so within those calories, uh, what are the macronutrients? And so I'm kind of on a new journey. You're helping me through this. I feel like from a standpoint of hopefully, hopefully I have good, good, good advice. <laughs> here's, we'll here's, here's what you want to eat and when you want to eat it. So it's, you know, talking about, um, the timing of your meals, talking about, um, protein distribution throughout the day. Um, you know, following a workout versus lunch versus, you know, snacks and, um, and ultimately, again, the goal being, um, you know, body composition, trying to retain lean muscle mass, um, increase lean muscle mass um, while decreasing fat. Yeah. And, you know, let's, let's kind of backtrack a little bit and talk about the body composition, because, you know, a lot of people who listen to this podcast aren't, are not into the, hey, I want to put weight on uh, type right. category. But, you know, the, the information you're getting from that DEXA, number one, you're looking at total total body mass. Uh, number two, you're looking at fat mass. And then number three, you're looking at lean muscle mass. And, you know, there's a kind of a couple buckets you kind of go into when you come in and look at a like, look at a health and wellness journey. So number one, uh, am, I, am, I, am I overweight? Number two, uh, am I under muscled, right? Because that's a, that's a big problem with a lot of people that are struggling with their weight is not only are you are they overweight but they also are also were under muscled right and specifically why that's important like that's a big deal uh and it's hard to lose weight until you you know and I, there's a couple challenges there it's hard to lose weight without appropriate muscle content but it's also very difficult to maintain muscle mass as you lose weight right and so it becomes this like really slippery juggling act and you know the the reason it's a big deal is your your muscle is highly dense in mitochondria, uh, and what that means is your mitochondria. And it's funny because my kids are going through science right now, so we're trying to remember what a mitochondria is. And so my little acronym is they're mighty; they produce energy. Yep. Right. Uh, and the the mitochondrial density of your muscle is dependent on size uh, and, and protein intake and. So, you know, a lot of people talk about, I have a slow metabolism, mm -hmm. right? You know, in America, that's, oh, I have weight issues. It's, I have a slow metabolism. And, but they don't really fail to understand what that means. And the way I explain it is it's not how much energy your body is burning. It's how much energy your body's producing. Right. Right. So if you have a low metabolism, you know, it's not a thyroid issue. It's not a calorie consumption issue. It's not a, it's there are some baseline metabolic issues uh, based off mitochondrial density in your muscle and, and, and specifically how much muscle do you have. And I'm not saying people need to be over muscled because that can be an issue too. Um, uh, but you do have to ha consider that your muscle is this metabolic sink. And what I mean by that, uh, if I eat food, specifically carbohydrates, um, you know, what does my body do with that? Does it have to immediately shuffle it out of the blood vessels into fat cells via insulin, or do I have a do I have a muscle glucose sink? Like, does my muscle gobble all that up and use it before it gets sent over to the fat cells? So, if you don't have a lot of muscle, 
then yep. you don't have that sink. Then it immediately all goes to fat cells. Right. Uh, so, you know, I forgot where I was going with that. Well, that's that's where the DEXA comes in, right? Yeah. Because now you're able to see, look, if I stepped on the scale, you know, six months ago and I weighed, you know, 190 and today I weigh 200, um, well, then I gained 10 pounds. Well, that's not good. Or is it good? You know, and I feel like, you know, people get on the scale and they see a number, but they don't know what that number means. Like what, what is that composed of? Right. It's like, well, look, I gained eight pounds of fat and two pounds of muscle. Well, that's, that's not good. Or vice versa. Hey, the, that number went down 10 pounds. Oh, awesome. Well, wait a minute. It went down 10 pounds because I lost you know, eight pounds of muscle and two pounds of fat. Right. Well, that, that's not good either. Right. So yeah. I feel like for me, that's where, you know, the metrics and, um, you know, doing the DEXA scan on a regular basis is helpful because then whenever I do tweak my diet or, you know, our workouts, um, I can literally go back and see, okay, this is how it affected my body composition. Right. Is that good or bad? Is that what I'm wanting? Is that towards the goal or away from the goal? Yeah. Uh, so Dr. Blue just jumped in uh, to the podcast. He's pretty Hello famous everyone. for jumping in mid-podcast. <laughs> With uh, no context. Yeah. I love it. Love and, it. Um, so just to kind of catch you up, we're kind of, we were talking about having a workout partner and support partner and how important we feel that is to our journey and to, I think, everybody's journey. Uh, and then having that ability to have, con- have, have, having the ability to have conversations about your health and when that's, mm-hmm. That's where you and I really mm-hmm. shine because we operate together and spend a lot of time together. So we talk about health and wellness, you know, quite a bit. And then having Alan, you know, with, on the workout side for me, but also the the marital support and the uh, child rearing conversations and what's going on in the community. And so this is the first time in a while I've had both of my kind of uh, support partners here, right here in the same spot. So. Um, well, you know, what's interesting is how our parents always told us to pick good friends yep. and you'd think it's more applicable as we're growing up early in our life, but it continues. And, and I find that, you know, who you hang out with, it affects what you eat. Yep. I mean, when you go out to eat and you see your friends ordering something healthy, it, it rubs off on you. Absolutely. And so you need, you need that accountability and you need good, healthy friends. Alan had a quote about that a while ago. I think he screwed it up. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, something about the you're the son, you're the average of the five closest people you hang out I with. I think that that's there's a lot of truth to that. So that's why I hang out with you guys. So y'all bring up the average. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. Uh, well, um, so there, this podcast came about this morning because Alan was, uh, and we were getting to that. Yeah, you're yep. thinking about going into a kind of a bulk phase, putting on some some muscle and mm-hmm. wanted advice on eating to kind of maximize workouts and yep. things of that nature so we were about to kind of dive into kind of macronutrient conversations uh, mm-hmm. but you also have some more kind of metric data over there do you want to yeah i mean just as far as percentage wise and uh, you know i need to uh, up, update my dexa because the last time i did it was in june um but you know just coming down you know looking at overall weight um you know, I don't know how much uh, you want me to hey, dive into you the numbers, do, but, uh, you know, so at 36, um, I was 191 pounds. Um, you know, this year I'm 190 pounds. So, you know, a, a difference of one pound, right? Um, but within that difference, um, my fat percentage has gone from, uh, I've, I've dropped essentially 2.3%. That's pretty body impressive. Fat. 
you know, so I mean, yeah. it's going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, lean muscle mass uh, has increased by uh, 3.2 pounds. So I've added three pounds of muscle and have been able to reduce, um, you know, fat body fat percentage by a couple percentage points but over if, the course but if of the, just the general scale would have been your metric. You'd have been like, Oh, I'm heading in the wrong direction. Oh, absolutely. You know? I would have been, well, well, shoot, I've been working out for the last two years and I've lost one pound. So that's yeah. where, you know, that's where yeah. the power of the DEXA comes in. It's like, mm -hmm. Whoa. And I mean, yes, you can feel better and you can look in the mirror and you can kind of start telling some subtle differences. But if you're not doing this on a consistent basis, I'm always preaching DEXA because a, I'm a, like I mentioned, I'm a kind of a numbers geek and I like to, this is motivating to me. Um, and you know, there's de definitely been years where it's gone the other, you know, tracked the other direction. Right. right. <laughs> so I mean, um, it happens to you, not to me though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, so you guys laugh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so that's one of the, the metrics. And then the other one, I'm starting to use this, my fitness pal app. Oh yeah. And, um, so, you know, looking at my, you know, food diary, and, you know, the cool thing about this is you can just scan the barcode on whatever you're eating. And it, most times it's already in the system. So you just punch it in there and you tell it how much you've eaten of whatever it is you just scanned. Um, but it gives you a breakdown of total calorie, total calories. Um, and then what I find more fascinating is that breakdown between carbs, fat and protein. Um, and, you know, I wanted to ask you kind of where I should be setting my goals, given the fact that I'm wanting to increase lean muscle mass. I don't uh, necessarily in this phase, I'm, I'm trying to eat, you know, more calories, right? But I'm wanting to be conscientious of what those contain, right? I don't want to eat a lot of uh, carbs, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, I'm trying to get to, I put on here 3,200 calories a day. Mm -hmm. I had a hard time getting there yesterday. I didn't get there yesterday. Uh, but I don't know if that's even the right goal I should be having. So, you know, thinking through what, how do you get to what you should be eating, given your goals and giving your um, level of um, how much you're working out, how much calories you're expending? Because outside of working out in the mornings with you, uh, I, I do a lot of sitting, you know, whether I'm driving, flying, sitting in meetings, sitting at my computer. And so I'm not that active i don't have an active job yeah so those, those are some of the questions yeah, i yeah, really yeah, you know sure. i came with as far as you know how many calories should i eat what should yeah. those consist of yeah um, um and i think that's a, a, a you know, like a deeper conversation and yeah. like calorie goals right <clears throat> but you know it's because personally i actually and i don't this may be right or wrong but i don't i don't pay attention to calories uh, I, I tend to pay more attention to, you know, amount of protein. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, I'm sure we'll get into it, that podcast. I just sent you to listen to, uh, that blues listen to, which that is we, incredible. We need to yeah. share that podcast. Yeah. That's one of the so we'll, best. We'll share it in the uh, post here, but you know, let's kind of get into that because I, you know, I, I pay more attention to protein, but after listening to this podcast, I, I pay more attention to what's in that protein. Not you only know. what's in it, like where is it sourced? Is that what you're referring to? Like, is it plant based? Is it is it Correct. animal based? Yeah. Is what it, makes up that protein? Right. Like, what are the building blocks? It's specifically the amino acids yeah. uh, that are in it. Yep. Um, but as far as overall calorie consumption for uh, body composition, it's not something I generally pay attention to because the cal you know, the, I could eat, you know, four thousand calories of fat. Like, say I was going through a keto phase. 
and you know i ramp up my fat intake i mean this is where you're drinking you know the butter coffees and yeah i'm shooting olive oil twice a day and you know i'm eating yeah, but you're not that's, you're not burning four thousand calories that's but that's my point is the the body does not have a calorie counter right like it doesn't know what to do with calories like the uh, calories are something that uh, scientists created up by burning something in a contained environment how much heat did it give off yeah right so i think the, the actual definition of a calorie is how much heat it takes to to Raise increase one degree one gram water, one degree, one degree. Like yeah. yeah i mean your body has not has no clue what that is and i really don't know how it goes into building muscle or burning fat i really you know that may, may that may just be my stupidity and i just don't know enough about that um but well, you know i know yeah. how the body makes energy by using you know macronutrients and to to convert from you know nadh to you know nad to nadh and creating atp mm -hmm. but i mean i don't know how that fits into a calorie what you know what are y'all's thoughts mm -hmm. we're going real deep here that, that was a <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, i think calories you know where we've shifted our view on this particularly talking with our patients is we used to always be focused on the mantra of calories. And what we have found is that just, for example, our patients, they cut their calories. Yes, you're gonna lose weight short term, but more important than the calorie deficit for them is what are those calories made up of? Yep. Because our body's gonna burn them differently and they're gonna, it's gonna hormonally uh, be driven differently. So. I think in your situation, um, I mean, I think it's fun to kind of look at that. Uh, I think yours is more the protein. Yeah, and, yeah, for sure. And, and that would be the thing that would drive me every day, especially if you're wanting to bulk up a little bit, uh, especially after listening to that podcast of yeah. how to, what, where to source your protein, mm -hmm. how it needs to be spaced through the day, which I thought was really cool. Yes, yeah. Um, and then how important it is for us to maintain our muscle mass. Yes, yeah, especially as we age. And we, we Bo and I were talking about, yeah. you know, what your goals are and in different stages of life. And right now for me, it's like, you know, how can I retain or, or still, you know, increase lean muscle mass? Um, I mean, there will be a point in time in my life where increasing lean muscle mass is probably very difficult to do. Mm -hmm. You know, 60s, 70s, you get into your 80s, uh, you're probably not increasing your lean muscle mass. You're trying to retain it, um, but I like what you said, Blue. As far as it's not so much that what the calorie number, it's like what is in that calorie, you know, and macronutrients. And that's what I like about this, um, you know, this app is it gives me a breakdown of, you know, what how many carbs, how many grams of fat, how many grams of protein. I mean, yesterday I hit 234 grams of protein. That's a lot of protein. That's a lot of protein. Probably. I don't know if you can say too much protein, but that's a lot of protein. And the good thing is it was animal protein, yeah. uh, animal-based protein, and we can get into that. Um, and kind of correct dosages too. Mm -hmm. And I thought in that podcast, it's really interesting that, you know, until you get into that, I think he said 25 to 60 gram um, range of protein in a meal, then your muscles aren't going to take that in. That doesn't mean your body's not going to utilize that protein. It just means if your goal is to increase your lean muscle mass, you need to be eating um, 25 to 60 grams of protein 
in that sitting yeah. versus, hey, I'm going to do a 10 gram protein bar. And then two hours later, hey, I'm going to I'm going to do a 20 gram protein shake. And then, you know, an hour later, hey, I'm going to do a small, you know, uh, filet of, of salmon that maybe gets you to 25 or 30. But really talking about uh, timing of your meals. I thought that was really interesting. And one thing applicable for our patients, particularly after surgery, we do push protein. And, and a lot of it is, is when they undergo surgery, their, their stomach's smaller. They're yep. not eating as much calories in right. general. Therefore, we need to maintain that muscle mass. Yep. So we really push protein because that ma- your metabolism is driven by how much muscle mass you have pretty yep. much. Yeah. And so after surgery, that's why we're like, Hey, you need to get your protein in. Uh, it needs to be three meals a day, maybe mm-hmm. a mid morning, mid afternoon supplement. Now, as they get further out, this can change, but I tell you, but should it, that's a I mean, poor debate. That's I would say you would want to keep your, I mean, first meal of the day is, is critical mm-hmm. and it needs to be protein heavy centric. Yeah. Yeah. And Ideally, animal-based, yeah. uh, even if it's plant-based. Um, eggs are a great source. Animal, Yeah, eggs are a great source. Um, but to me, it seems like regardless of, of your goal, weight loss, weight gain, you know, uh, muscle strength gains, um, you know, older in age, you name it, that first meal, heavy protein, um, and know where it's sourced, right? Yeah, and to be clear, when we're saying first meal, we're not specifically talking about breakfast. We're talking about first meal. Yeah, it could be lunch. It could be lunch if you want to do some intermittent fasting sure. against uh, eating windows, things. And like I would that. say, if if that's the case, then you also need to consider your last meal of the day as important as the first. Absolutely. So if you're going to do the inter- intermittent fasting, and I haven't gotten into this yet, I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts, Bo and Blue. But um, if you're doing the intermittent fasting, I, I would think that your last meal of the day. Um, also should be pretty protein heavy um, because again, you know, it's energy, right? And so what's going to sustain you the next day until 11 noon, depending on how you're doing your intermittent fasting, is it carbs? Uh, Tricky question because it depends on your goals. Yeah. Right. So if you're here saying, Hey, I want to go through a bulk phase and yeah, you're right. If, if I'm doing, if I'm intermittent fasting or working out to lose weight, well, that's a different conversation. You see what I'm saying? Like, cause all right. So but you're still going to want that energy well, yes. the next day. Well, so I, I'm going to go to bed and I want to wake up. I'm going to, I'm not going to eat breakfast before I work out, but I want to have energy. Mm-hmm. Then that's probably appropriate carb, appropriate fat. Com- uh, I'm sorry, appropriate protein, appropriate fat, complex carbohydrate. Yeah. Not, like not vegetables. as simple. Yeah. Like something that's going to slow burn. That's going to, give you energy through the night to repair. Yeah, so we're not, we're not talking bread. We're yeah. not talking yeah, not chips simple. and dip. Yeah, that's, that's a no-no no matter where. <laughs> uh, but, Dang but it. specifically if somebody's on a weight loss journey, like it's, they, you, you have to understand the difference between simple and complex carbohydrates and how your body uses that, how it responds to that. Um, so, you know, let's kind of stick to the, hey, I want to put on muscle and let's kind of incorporate into that, that podcast. So timing what specific in the the i think we all took something really awesome away from that podcast it's different my big takeaway is we shouldn't think about protein as protein we should think about protein as amino acids Mm -hmm. because specifically that's what drives 
muscle synthesis is the amino acids. That has nothing to do with protein. Your body's going to, you're going to eat protein. It's going to disassemble it and turning it into a bunch of amino acids. And then it's going to reassemble it into a protein as muscle. And then you start thinking, I mean, how many amino acids are there? There's 20. 20. And how many are essential? Nine. Uh, we, we listened. Okay. We listened to the podcast. That's right. I'm being a good podcast <laughs> by giving you no, that. No, I love it. I feel like I feel like I'm back in high school. I know. Yeah, this is the quiz. Testing. We're gonna hit, hit, the, hit the button. To who, who can answer first? <laughs> Two points for you. Three points for you. We're good. But you know, so now I'm eating protein, and this is a specific concern for people that are plant based or plant heavy, like vegan, vegetarian. Uh, you know, plant based is a whole different conversation. Uh, but understanding, hey, I, yeah, I'm getting this protein, but am I getting the right building blocks? Um, and you know, to get really deep is which, which of those amino acids have the best ability to stimulate muscle synthesis, synthesis right? So then you look at like the mTOR pathway, uh, and it, that's a whole other rabbit hole because mTOR is good and it's bad. It's kind of like insulin. It's, it's good and You it's don't bad. want it on all the time. Right, right. But, but to build muscle, you want it on. Yeah. But for, for aging purposes and, and um, anti-cancer, and, you know, anti-dementia type purposes, you want it off. So leucine is leucine. I was going to say that. I was going to get that for bonus. Yeah. Yeah, bonus, bonus points. I didn't get to ask it. You guys got it. <laughs> Uh, and so, you know, looking at what foods are highest in leucine, yeah. um, and like I said, we're going to link to that podcast that we're referring to, but it goes in depth on, you know, what types of protein should I be eating at what time of day? And I think the big takeaway was, you know, animal-based proteins, uh, meats and eggs, whether, and it doesn't matter what kind of meat, uh, chicken, poultry, uh, I mean, poultry, uh, beef and uh, fish, whatever you want to look at it. They're 100% bioavailable, mm -hmm. and they're complete. That means what, they have what all. Is, what does bioavailable mean? That means that when you eat a gram, you're going to absorb a gram and use it. Whereas, and it has all 20, 20 amino acids, all the non-essential amino acids. So you're getting a good, it's the biggest bang for your buck. Yep. Whereas if you're doing a plant-based protein, like a pea protein or something that hasn't been processed, it's raw or, or even cooked, you're only going to get 40 to 60% of that protein because it's wrapped up in a fiber. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be consumed. It wasn't for an animal. I mean, it was protein for a plant. And I, I, I thought that was fascinating. I, I didn't know that. Uh, when you look at a, you know, let's say it's four grams of protein for a you know, certain serving of, of peas or, or, or whatever, you know, some plant protein, your body's only going to absorb half of that, let's say. So you're getting two grams out of that when you thought, or at least I used to think until today, hey, I'm getting four grams of protein here. I didn't know that either. That was yeah. a new one for me. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. And then you've got to really, if you're vegetarian or vegan, you've got to be very mindful of doing lots of different types of plants to cover and get those non-essential amino acids. Yeah. And so what's challenging, I think, is when people just jump off in the vegan on the bandwagon that they can lose a lot of muscle mass really quick and it's really hard to get that back so you yes. gotta i think you gotta be very wise going into that yeah so let's let's kind of talk about you know i think to to kind of wrap it up for podcast listeners like what are my goals uh protein intake wise and you, you referred to this earlier like we shouldn't look at protein as a percentage of overall calorie intake because your protein needs don't 
go away based off your your decided calorie intake. That's the reason I said earlier I don't really pay attention. To yeah, calories. it's a, it's a, it's its own number. Right. You need your own like, because there's a certain amount of amino percentage. acids you need, mm-hmm. and to get those amino acids, there's a certain uh, amount of protein you need to intake. So if if I'm Alan Bean, I'm going through a bulk phase. What are my intake goals? Yeah, I think um, pretty common is one gram of protein per uh, target body weight. Um, and so that's why I said, you know, yesterday I, I did 230 or 40 grams of protein probably. Wait, 230? <laughs> yeah, no. I don't even Man think child. I – Yeah, I don't – I mean, I you know, for – for where I'm at, I mean, um, I think getting to 200 to 210 grams of protein would be sufficient. Now, I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm not, you know, um, my goal is not to, to, to do that. But um, so, you know, I think the one gram per body weight is probably sufficient. I think the minimum, uh, if I recall, was 0.8 grams per pound of body weight. Yeah, so I always turn to Mark Sisson for these these goals. So, you know, the active 0.8 uh, per body weight or 1.8 per kilogram. We're not in England, so we won't refer to that. Um, but, you know, there are studies that show, you know, even up to two to three grams per body weight for serious athletes, for bodybuilders, yeah. right? So, you know, when I... Like for the other day, I talked to one of our neighborhood friends, and she's working out with a trainer here. And I mean, she's a hundred, hundred and thirty-five pound girl, and like she was trying to get like three hundred grams of protein a day. I was like, whoa, whoa, that's yeah. a lot of freaking protein. It is. Um, so, or is it? I don't know. I mean, that's a lot to me. I mean, yeah, uh, that's that's protein all day long. But then yeah. you know, in light of the the podcast we're referring to, timing. Like how much can my body take in at one time? What's right. that, what's that refractory period where eating any more is not going to do any good? Um, so how do you, you know, what is y'all's guidance on how to break that up? So we've we've determined your goal is probably in the probably one seventy five to two hundred range for for active yep. trying to put on mm-hmm. muscle. So how you know what's what's the game plan on getting that in? Yeah, so it changed after listening to that podcast. I think before it was just more of I want to hit this total number of protein. Now it's gone to okay, I want to get a, a large percentage of that on the front end. So within um, I think two hour window of working out um, is, is ideal, and I'm working out in the morning. So essentially breakfast at that point in time, uh, I would want to get around 50 to 60 grams of protein. I'm talking about myself here. And then, you know, throughout the day, um, I probably need to get one more meal uh, of, again, a big chunk of protein. And then that last meal of the day also has to be important. So the first and the last meal, uh, if, I, if I did my homework correctly, uh, are the most critical and um, need to at least hit that 25 to 60 gram range if I'm wanting to increase lean muscle mass. So that's, that, that was kind of the, the timing of it, uh, piece of it that I learned um, in, in listening to that podcast. But I, and know, I think you, for our patients, this is real important because to maintain that muscle mass after surgery, um, like you said, there's a minimum of 25 grams in one meal that you need to get to basically tell your muscle, hey, hold on here or yep. build. And so don't just do it in little bitty small 10 grams. I'm going to eat a little 10 gram um, package of beef jerky. It's not going to do anything. Right. It needs to be 
over 25 grams um, in one sitting. And I would say, I mean, you asked earlier kind of the takeaways from that podcast and knowing that I was going to come up here and visit with you, I didn't know I was going to be on the podcast necessarily. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, why don't you come eat lunch? And then we're going to turn it to a podcast. Um, was the weight loss piece of it. So this was for the listeners out there. This is a two hour and 15 minute podcast. So, you know, come prepared whenever Bo says to listen to this podcast, it's, it's a long one, but it's worth it. It's worth it. it is. Uh, but I would say, uh, towards the very tail end of the podcast, I'd have to go, uh, and we'll probably do it in the show notes, but there at the end of the podcast, um, he talks about, and this is, uh, Dr. Don Lehman, he's a PhD, but he talks about, um, for weight loss, um, the, he, he did three studies, right? So the first study, uh, for the listeners, um, he looked at total, uh, he did total feeding. So a total feeding study, they, they fed, um, for 12 weeks, um, patients and they did two different, uh, it was a two arm study. So in one, uh, cohort, they did high protein, low carb, and the other one was high carb, low protein. Um, the second study was a four month diet and exercise study. And the last one was a 16 month study. Um, but essentially the, the key takeaways, um, I felt like were you've got to manipulate the protein to carb ratio. And so for weight loss specifically, um, number one, protein is the most satiating. So you're going to feel full the longest eating protein, not carbs, not fats. It's actually protein, then fat, then carb as far as satiation. But then, uh, what I thought was fascinating. This goes with what Blue just said, 30 to 40 grams of protein you want front loaded in the morning. Um, critical. So you mentioned over 25. So 30 to 40 in the morning, they did the, did this with their patients. Um, you want less than 30 grams of carb. He called it a carb threshold in that meal. So essentially you're not wanting to stimulate the insulin response. Um, and then, you know, add some fat to round out the calories for that first meal. But just talking about the first meal. And, and with that, you know, what they found was they stabilized the insulin. They lost more total weight, uh, eight pounds more of total weight in that first group uh, that are on the high protein, low uh, carb. And of that, you know, eight pounds, it was roughly six and a half to seven pounds of fat. So kind of going to, you know, look, protein is an important piece of your diet and when you eat it and in how much, you know, is important. I think that sums it up right there, especially for our patients, because that's just so important uh, in their weight loss journey. Awesome. Well, we're out of time. Um, I feel like there's about two more hours here. That yeah, we, we need to bring Alan back. Let's do some more podcasts. Yeah, especially because he's kind of a note taker and yeah. keep us on task. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want some more bonus points on my next. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, I'll give you guys the, the quiz subject for, for next week. Uh, well, thank you guys for listening in. We hope you guys enjoy. Uh, I will link to that podcast that we keep referring to over and over again uh, when we post this. And as always, uh, go forth and conquer. <laughs>